0: Let me open us up in prayer before we dive into a few things. Um, Lord, uh, what a a gracious privilege it is, Lord, to study even more about you, but even more, Lord, about what you have commanded of all of us. And, uh, Lord, something that we strive to excel in, and yet, Lord, so often find ourselves um, being weakened, being discouraged. But yet, Lord, I pray tonight that we would all walk away with a right view of prayer, that we would be invigorated and encouraged by you and the promises of your word, that we would grow in this spiritual discipline, that we would be men and women of prayer who are continually relying upon you. So Father, I just pray that your word would go forth clearly, that this would be um, something that would be edifying for all of us, and that we would seek to, to grow, and that you would, by your spirit, God, grow us in this. That's just in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, so this evening we are going to be discussing praying the Bible. Um, Obviously that's the topic there, (laughs) praying the Bible. Um, This is something no matter where you're at in your Christian walk that you can always excel in. I think no matter where you're at or, or who you are, no matter what stage in life you are, prayer is something that we can always grow and excel in. And it, it's something that we want to do because if we are called to pray, which we'll see in Scripture soon, we're called to pray, we want to pray biblically. Um, I think we all want that. We want to pray the right way. And how to, what is the right manner in which we are to pray? Um, so that the goal of this is for us to walk away, um, to grow in that endeavor in terms of praying biblically, but also enriching our time in prayer. That our time in prayer is not um, something that is just dry, but is is, is, is growing and being enriched throughout these truths. And I just want to say from the start, I think, I think it's, we all know it's very easy to instill guilt on the topic of prayer, right? Like, it's not easy to say, if I were to ask you, how's your prayer life? Are you, are you growing in prayer? All of us can say like, you know what? I, it, it's, it's very easy for us to be weakened, to be discouraged in that manner. Um, but that's not my purpose. I don't want to instill guilt. That's not, that's not my goal. My goal is to take this topic and this, this spiritual dis- discipline of prayer and for us to all grow. And no matter how advanced you are in your spiritual walk in prayer or, or not advanced, that by the, by the time we're done here, that you would be encouraged to excel even further in this spiritual discipline. So that's the goal. So don't feel as if I'm targeting you because we all need this. I need this. I need to be reminded of this. So... One of the first things is we want to look at is what is prayer? Um, what is prayer? And prayer is simply it's personal communication with God. It's personal communication with God. And, and this, this can involve requests. It can involve, involve talking. It can involve praises and thanksgiving to God. It can involve grieving. Um, but ultimately, in all these things, prayer is bearing your heart before God that you are bearing your heart before God. That is, is really the essence of it, that you are bearing your soul before God through, through requests, through praises, through thanksgiving, through grieving, through all these things. And I love this quote here by John Bunyan. He says, prayer is, is, is a pouring out of the heart or soul. There is in prayer an unbosoming of a man's self, an opening of the heart to God, an affectionate pouring out of the soul in requests, sighs, and groans. Um, that's Getting to the heart of it, that's really what the goal of is, is prayer. That's kind of what it is by definition. Now we know we're supposed to pray. We all know that, and yet we don't. Um, we don't pray often. maybe we don't pray as often as we should, um, but it becomes a struggle. And there are different reasons, and I listed here some common struggles that we all have faced, I'm sure at one point or another, of why we have struggled to pray. And one is sometimes our prayers can become a list of petitionary prayers, it feels like, where it feels like all I am doing in my prayer time, I'm just asking for this. Lord, can you pray for this person? Lord, I pray for this person. Lord, I pray for this. I want this. I pray for that. I pray for this. It just becomes a list and it becomes like, oh, I just feel like I'm just talking to God through all these lists. I'm just going through like my grocery list, right? Um, Sometimes it can become repetitive, where it feels like, okay, I've been praying for about 10 minutes, but I think I've said the same thing about four times, <laughs> where I'm praying the same thing as I'm going through, God, this, 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 oh, wait, I, yeah, I'm saying this again. Um, At time our minds can wander, Lord, I, I just pray, Lord, as I'm going into work, oh, wait, what should I bring for work? Uh, should I bring a burrito, or should I do salad today? Um, Lord, I mean, our minds just kind of drift off into something else while we're trying to pray. Sometimes we're just too busy to pray, I, I should have put too busy in quotation marks, we're too busy to pray? Like, I, I got all these things to do. I need to, I, can, I don't have time. Let me cut my prayer time short. Sometimes we don't feel the need to pray. I just don't feel the need. Another final list, I list uh, final um, reason I listed there is sin, um, which is a real struggle. Um, sin, it creates various outcomes. It, re, it can kind of result in shame. I mean, think of Adam and Eve in the garden. Um, right after their sin, they were doing what? Hiding from God, right? That they were embarrassed to come before God because they knew their sin and they didn't want to talk to God. So sometimes sin is a real obstacle. Um, That if there's sin in our life, unconfessed, unrepentant sin, that can be a a legitimate obstacle. It could be we just feel spiritually dry. But yet we need to pray. Um, It's a necessity for one. Um, We need to pray. And one necessity or one reason is the most obvious reason we're commanded to pray. We're commanded to pray. So if there's, if there's one prime reason that we can all walk away with is we are commanded to pray. That's a command in Scripture. So as with all commands in Scripture, we're not excused from, right? There's no command that says, this doesn't apply to me. Um, but Scripture's clear. Colossians 4.2 I listed. Devote yourselves to prayer. Um, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. Um, 1 Thessalonians 5.17, we'll touch on it later. Pray without ceasing. Another command in Scripture. Another reason... Well, you see, what another command I should say is: be anxious for nothing, but what in everything by what prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Listen, some other verses there for you to look at um, in terms of commands of praying. But it's all throughout Scripture we're commanded to pray, commanded to pray. But another reason for prayer is, I think it's an important reason. Jesus prayed. (laughs) That Jesus prayed. That's probably one of the prime examples, the prime reasons for us. Why should I pray? Well, for one, my Lord prayed. Now think about about it, right? If Jesus, God in the flesh, found time to pray and found it necessary to pray, how much even more should it be of priority for us to pray? If Christ prayed, we should pray. Uh, Mark 135, in the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went away to a secluded place and was praying there. Luke five sixteen. Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. That time after time, Jesus, he modeled for us. This is a great picture. He modeled for us how we are to live through prayer, and he did it himself. That he was one of the great examples for prayer. Another reason for prayer is is prayer is, is a means of of it's a means of grace. It's a means of grace, and what I say that a means of grace is essentially uh, one of the tools, if you will, that God uses to sanctify us. That it being a means or a tool of grace that God uses to sanctify us. 4, 6, Hebrews 4.16, um, it, it brings up that same idea that we come before the throne of God to receive grace and mercy in our time of need, that that happens through prayer, that we're strengthened in our prayer when we come before God, that this is something that God uses to strengthen us, that we get grace and mercy. We need grace and mercy in our time of need. In our time of need, we often run to other things because it's so much easier to do that. But, but, but the Bible says we need grace and mercy, and this, it, it's a means of grace. So we need to pray because We need it, right? (laughs) Uh, God uses prayer to strengthen us. God uses prayer to change us. God uses prayer to work in us. That often we think of prayer just talking kind of list of petitionary prayers, but really God uses this to work in us. Bunyan once said that prayer will make a man cease from sin or will entice a man to cease from prayer. That prayer will make a man cease from sin or will entice a man to cease from prayer. That it's a real issue, real struggle we're doing here. I, I love what Archie Sproul said about this topic in one of his booklets, Small Booklets, What is Faith. He talks about prayer and he says that prayer is one of the most important means of grace that we have to strengthen our faith. Prayer is not for God's benefit. <laughs> That's a good point. Like, prayer is not for God's benefit. It's not that He's benefiting from my prayers. We don't pray to give Him information that otherwise He wouldn't have. We don't pray to give God our counsel so as to improve his administration of the universe. Rather, he says, prayer is for our benefit. It is a God-given way for us to spend time with him, to praise him and thank him and to make our requests known to him. Afterward, when we get up from our knees, we watch the providence of God work in our lives. He, He ends it, in short, we see God answering prayers. So what does that do to our faith? It strengthens it. That is why prayer is a very important means of grace. A fourth reason is that we're in a battle. This is a real, real reason. That we're in a battle. We're in a spiritual battle. We'll look at one text in a little bit, but we're in a spiritual battle. And this battle is is, is not just... This battle that is above you, but it involves you. This is a battle over your heart. This is a battle over your emotions. This is a battle over your thoughts. This is a battle over your desires. This is a battle about, about your heart. And if we are not engaging in war properly, we will succumb to the enemy in the battle. So prayer is an important means that God uses to preserve us, but also one of the ways that we wage war in the battle, and we'll see soon. Any military people in the room? Any military? Okay, so in, in, in a war, if you want to really cripple your enemy, what do you go after? What do you destroy? The what? Support structure, structure Their communication structure. If, if, you can get, if you can get rid of them, their, their communication, if you can isolate the soldiers from communicating with their headquarters, if you can cut down their communication, you can take them out. Because if they can't talk with one another, they can't talk with headquarters, they're gone. In the same way, how do you expect for us to live the Christian life being cut off in communication from our primary source of strength? And that's essentially what we're doing when we're not praying, is we are essentially eliminating, we're isolating ourselves from one of the most important ways that God uses to strengthen and to work in us in battle. So prayer is communication and military warfare, so to speak. It's battle from the world. It's battle from within our own flesh, from the devil. So we're, we're never stagnant. We're always expressing our desires. You're always expressing your emotions. You're always expressing these things, these things that are waging war in you. You're always dealing with these things. So the question is, where are we pouring out our hearts and where are we being filled? So when we don't pray, I think I've said this in other contexts, when we don't pray, I love this quote, is we're essentially saying we don't need God. And I love this quote, prayerlessness is our declaration of independence from God. I think that says a lot. That when I'm, when I, when I'm not praying, when my prayer life is stagnant, when, I, when I'm not praying at all, it's really saying that I don't need God. That this is my declaration of independence from God. So let me just gently ask you guys, and ask my own heart, are we praying, brothers and sisters? Are we praying? It's even more bearing our heart. It acknowledges our utter dependence on God. When you think about the very beginning of the Lord's Prayer, he gives us as our Father who art in heaven. That there's a realization that our Father, he's in heaven, and I'm not, and I need him. Another reason that prayer is communion with the living God. Sometimes we only pray in times of desperation, but there's so much more to prayer. um, That that, that we pray for communion with the living God. I mean, just take a moment to think about that, that when we are praying, we are communicating with the almighty God of the universe, the sovereign God, you have access to his throne room, that this is not just talking that you are communicating with the living God and this is communion with him I love Psalm sixteen, eleven. in your presence is fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore when you're in prayer you're in the fullness of God and this is the the fullness of joy he gives us and even above that pleasures forevermore so we are to pray to seek God's face not just his hand we do need to pray four things don't get me wrong But the essence of prayer is not just about receiving. It's about seeking his face, being in his presence, being filled with his joy and his pleasures. So pray also with your heart fixed on God's glory and not just on personal satisfaction. Pray with your heart fixed on God's glory and not just for personal satisfaction. Pray from the treasury of God's word and not just from a list of your own ideas. Pray from his word. Pray with a heart completely surrendered to his will, not with a hurried personal agenda. Pray that God would change you. This is important. Pray that God would change you and not simply change things. That in our prayer, we're praying not just God would change the situation or change the outcome, change things, but praying that God would change you. I mean, you think about it. I mean, obviously, how can we say we love God if we refuse to spend time with him? It's a simple, a simple reality. If I love him and yet I don't spend time with him, how can I say I truly love him in that regard? But here's the last reason. It's that God moves upon the prayers of his saints. God moves upon the, upon the prayers of his saints. Practically, God uses your prayers to change things. Our prayers do things That's a real reality that should encourage all of us, that our prayers move and change things. I mean, think about what Jesus said. He said, until now you have asked for nothing. You've asked for nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive so that your joy may be made full. That there's a reality where we, we ask and God moves upon our prayers. That prayer is not just something we just say and speak to God, but this is something that God uses. Um, there's a few examples I listed here. For example, Isaac and Rebecca, you can look at the account. But I always find this interesting is that when you read the account of Isaac and, and Rebecca, God already promised to Abraham, right? That he was going to bless him. He, he'll, get, he'll make him a nation. You, you have many, you look at the stars in the sky and you'll see how many stars there are. That's how many will come from your seed. There's a, there's a promise given to Abraham already, right? For, for multiple offspring. Now you get to Isaac and Rebecca and Rebecca's barren. She can't have kids. So, if I'm just thinking it's in my own worldly fleshly way, I'm thinking like, okay, she's barren, but God made a promise he has to fulfill. She has to have a baby. She has to have a baby. Now that's true, but she's barren. And I'm not going to force my arm against God, obviously, but there's a reality. So what happens in that account? She's barren, can't have kids. What, what happens? They pray. They pray and she has a baby. Now we know, right, in the looking at the big picture, that God promised to the offspring through Abraham, and therefore now to Isaac and Rebekah. So we know it's supposed to happen, and yet it wasn't until they prayed that we see they actually had a baby. God was using and working through prayer to accomplish his purposes. That there are times in prayer than our prayers when God uses it to execute his will. Which is why we want to pray in a manner pleasing to him so that he can move upon it. We're not praying selfishly, right? We'll touch on that. But we're praying in a way because we realize that God moves upon the prayers of his saints. Look at Moses' intercession for Israel. Right after the the golden calf that they're worshiping after he was on the mountain, God is like, no, I'm tired of this. I'm wiping them all out. Then what does Moses do? He interceded for them on behalf of God. He, He interceded for them. And God, he said he changed his mind. He relented from his anger. And he was not going to wipe them out anymore because Moses prayed. James 4, 2, and 3. You have not. Why? Because you ask not. (laughs) You you have not because you ask not. That this is a real reality. That our prayers change things. And here there's also a question. How do we reconcile God's sovereignty with with our prayers? Obviously, we realize God's not going to answer any any answer, um, any prayer, I'm sorry. Like, I can't pray for... Can't pray for an S-class Mercedes Benz expected in my, in my front yard tomorrow morning, right? I mean, that'd be nice, but that's just not how it works. So how do we reconcile God's sovereignty with, with the, the promise that your prayers, he said, ask and you will receive? How do we re- reconcile that? I'm just going to read a quote, and I think I have it in here. Is reconciling God's sovereignty. Prayer seems superfluous in light of God's omniscience and omnipotence. But God ordained prayer not for himself, but as an exercise of piety for man. Our prayers do not get in the way of God's providence because God in his providence ordains the means along, along with the end. So prayer here, catch this, is thus a means ordained to receive what God has planned to, re- to bestow. Prayer, then, I'm going to read that again. Prayer is thus a means ordained to receive what God has planned to bestow. So prayer, then, is not contrary to divine sovereignty, but is divinely ordained instrument functioning within the sphere of God's sovereign wisdom and power in carrying out his will. In other words, it's not prayer does not go against his divine sovereignty, but prayer works along with his divine sovereignty to accomplish what he has accomplished through the prayer of his saints. So which is why we need to pray, but not only just pray, but pray according to the will of God. To pray according to the will of God. In other words, we need to pray biblically, and we need to pray often. We need to pray biblically, and we need to pray often. So I'm going to touch on the consistency of prayer. Is is how often, what what does that look like? What am I to pray, and how often am I to pray? One passage we're going to look at, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. So, you turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. This is in the, the context of the armor of God. In this passage, it encompasses both of these aspects of praying biblically, but also praying, as we'll see, in terms of consistency. Ephesians chapter 6. If you look at it, verse 18, I'm not going to read the whole section, but you can look at it later if you, if you want. But this is the armor of God. In verse 18, he says, With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. So, how often are we to pray? Verse 18. Pray With all prayer and petition, pray When? at all times, right? At all times in the spirit. So the consistency of our prayer, and we ask how often am I to pray? The Bible says we were to pray at all times. Now we're going to look at what does that mean to pray at all times, but, but let's look at the brief command here. It says to pray with petition, pray at all times. Now again, this is the context of the armor of God, and this is also the reality which I touched on, that we are in a true spiritual battle, right? Now, these are the last two pieces of armor that Paul mentions in the spiritual armor, that the armor that we're supposed to put on. This is the last two pieces that he mentions. So with all these things, verse, sorry, verse 17, take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now, what's interesting, this is, the, I'm reading the New American Standard, but the... English ESV English Standard Version, I think, does a great job of kind of capturing the, the original language and bring it in there because the the way that the ESV begins verse eighteen is, is praying the ing word. It says praying with all, praying at all times in the spirit. So if you look at it, verse seventeen it says and pray uh, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And the verse eighteen, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and petition. Now, the reason why I point that out is because he says we are to put on the, the, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So the question is, how do I put on the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God? This is the, this is the, the, the spiritual armor I'm supposed to put on. How do I put it on? The ing word, it's a participle. It explains, most of the time, it explains how you're supposed to do that main activities commanding. So if we're to put on the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, how do I do that? Verse 18, praying at all times. It's explaining how do I put on that sword of the Spirit. It's through prayer. And praying not just through prayer, but praying at all times in the Spirit. So how are we to to, to wield the the sword of the Spirit? How are we to use the word of God in spiritual battle that I'm in? It's by praying in the Spirit. And not only just praying in the Spirit, but he says through through petitions. And with all alert, with vigilance, with all perseverance, with all petitions. This is the, the nature, this is the way it's supposed to be done. It's by praying and being alert. Now, if there's war that we're waging, and there is, then prayer is the essential tactic that we use to fight this war. That putting on the helmet of salvation, holding up the shield of faith is united with prayer. That if I'm going to put on the helmet of salvation, if I'm going to carry the shield of faith, all this is done, ultimately done, through Prayer. And he says with all kinds of prayer, public prayer, private prayer, secret prayer, social, solitary, solemn, sudden, all, all kinds of prayer. This is through confession of sin, through petition for mercy, through thanksgiving, through favors needed. I mean, all these ways. So if you think about it, if you step back, if, if I'm going to fight this battle and you look at going back to a military context, if you're a soldier in war and you don't know how to use the gun, what good are you? Right? If we're in a battle now, if we're in a spiritual battle, and we don't know how to wage war, how effective can we expect to be in our sanctification, in our growth? If we are not praying in the spirit through the word of God. It's almost like a man who has a gun doesn't know how to use it properly. It's like, well, don't shoot yourself. <laughs> but we're to pray. Another verse. Another verse. First Thessalonians five seventeen. Um, let's go to it real fast. Five seventeen. Paul says another popular verse. Sorry, in verse sixteen. Let's let step back there. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So again, another command that Paul is saying here: Rejoice always, but also pray how without ceasing. This is, now, this is the idea of praying without ceasing is, is, is not the idea of praying 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Because if you think about that, if we pray 24 hours a day, then we wouldn't get anything done. Like Paul wouldn't get anything done if he was praying 24 hours a day. But, but what does he mean by praying without ceasing there? The, the, the Greek word he uses there for without ceasing is, is the idea of, um, did I put it on this slide? Maybe I didn't. Maybe till the next one. But praying without ceasing is the idea of having like a hacking cough, so to speak. It's the idea of, of, you know, if you're sick and you're recovering, there's always something in your chest you're trying to get out. So you're constantly coughing throughout the day when you're kind of in those last stages of sickness. So you're kind of <coughs> just throughout your day walk. <coughs> You just like, <clears throat> and then you say or speak wrongly, and you kind of just <clears throat> blurt out a cough, right? That's the idea of a hacking cough, he says here. So pray without ceasing. So if we're to pray without ceasing, really what Paul is saying here is not praying all the time, like consistently, 24 hours in a day, but praying often at random times, so to speak. That we're, as a hacking cough just comes up, that you're praying these ejaculatory prayers just randomly, <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> and also. It's connected with rejoicing, as I read, that this praying is connected with rejoicing and giving thanks. The rejoicing always, praying without ceasing, giving thanks in all circumstances. And this is also what Paul says, that this is the will of God for your life. So if you want to know what the will of God, will of God is for your life, if you want to know what God's will is for you, it is to rejoice always, to pray without ceasing, to give thanks in all circumstances. That's God's will for you. We can, be, we can all get, gather around that. That's what God wants for all of us. So we're to pray without ceasing at all times, as he says in Ephesians chapter 6, praying at all times but also praying without ceasing, praying constantly. That This is an activity that we're doing all throughout our day at random times, in the car, walking out to taking out the trash. As you're having a conversation, just two-word prayer, three-word prayer. Sometimes I pray, Lord, give me me wisdom right now. That's three words or four words, however many words that is. That's short prayer. I mean, but this this is constantly, constantly all throughout our day. These are short, longer prayers, extended prayers. Um, This is a, a constant activity. It's almost like the pattern of our life is without ceasing. I'm praying constantly. And it's done in the spirit. So if we are to pray at all times, we're to pray without ceasing. This is a constant activity of our lives. The question is, how do we practice that? How do we practice that? How do I practice this? So we all acknowledge the fact that there are weaknesses. There are dry times in our prayer life. It's a struggle at times. Let's be real. It's, it's hard sometimes to pray. So I want to answer or kind of respond to that with some solutions to the struggle. I think one is confession of sin. As I mentioned, sin can be a big obstacle in prayer. That when there's sin in our life, it can't hinder our prayer life. So just one solution, logically, is confession of that sin. Um, there's this, this maybe a reconciliation that needs to happen. That we need to confess our sin to God. And he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So, confession. Another reason, I'm sorry, another solution, and this is a real one, and this is a genuine one too, is to ask God for the desire. And this is very simple. But this is a real solution. I mean, you think about it. If, if, if Jesus himself said, he said, ask anything in my name and I will do it. What he's saying here is that it's not just ask whatever you want, just selfishly and I'll give it to you. But he's saying, ask anything according to my will and I will do it. If it is God's will for you and for me to pray, will he not answer the sincere desire to that growth in prayer? That's a real solution. That if we ask God to increase my desire to pray, that I would commune with you more often, that you would enrich in my prayer life, Lord, help me in that endeavor. I'm a weak soul. Will not God hear that precious request of his own child? I think that's a real response, a real solution to ask God to cultivate the attitude of prayer. Another solution in this this struggle for prayer is to use the word of God to warm our cold hearts, to use our warm heart, to, cold, to, to use the word of God to warm our cold hearts. I love this passage in Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 29, where he says, is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer which shatters a rock? I mean, let's be honest. Some mornings, 5 a.m., 6 a.m., I'm not an early person, so even 7 a.m. sometimes so early for me. <sighs> Prayer is not the first thing on my mind. It's sometimes it's hard. we wake up with cold hearts sometimes. Even during the day, there's, we encounter cold hearts. What do I do with a cold heart? I love this picture that Jeremiah puts, that God's word is like a hammer. It's like fire, that we need to sometimes warm our cold hearts with the word of God. That maybe instead of starting with prayer in the morning, or even starting with prayer in, in, in your car or whatever you're doing, it's to remind yourself of the truth of God's word. Maybe something you're meditating on from your, 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 your devotional time that morning. Just something that you're already meditating and chewing on. Think of the truth of God to warm your hearts and bring that to him in prayer. So a third solution is to warm our hearts with, with the word of God. And so how do we do this? The, the practice of prayer is to pray the Bible. The title of the session, pray the Bible. Um, you pray it verse by verse or you pray, there, there's many ways you can do it. We'll walk through it. Now, but, but pray the Bible. And I just want to underline this. This is not a gimmick. Um, this is not something that we're, I'm saying just pray mindlessly through Scripture. That's not what I'm saying. Um, I, but I'm saying here is that if we pray, if we want to pray intelligent, we want to pray spiritually, we want to pray in the Spirit, we want our prayers to be informed of what is true. That we want our prayers to be informed by God's Word. That if we are to pray at all times in the spirit, if we are to ask anything in his name according to his will, then we want to know and be informed by what is true. What is God's will so I can pray that? George Miller. Miller George Mueller. <laughs> um, if you have ever heard of him, if not, look him up. He's a great picture, a great model of prayer. He was a prayer warrior. Um, he owned an orphanage and many things in Christian ministry. But, but he, he writes about his accounts of prayer. I think it's very interesting with George Mueller because he he records that he had over fifty thousand specific recorded answers to prayer in his journals. Like fifty thousand specific answers to prayer he had recorded. That's pretty pretty striking. That like he can look and see fifty thousand go through page after page, God answered that, God answered that, God answered that. Like that's can you imagine what that does to your faith? and he said that there were in times when when there were answered prayers in the same day or the same hour that i prayed them that's also amazing so if you think of that that's 5000 definite answers to prayer each year 5000 prayers each year answered if you put that in perspective that's more than one per day that's every single day for 60 years God funneled in his ministry, God funneled over half a billion dollars in today's dollars, half a billion dollars through his hands and answered prayer. He was taking care of many kids in his orphanage. He had many requests, many needs. God funneled money after money after money to his ministry through prayer. And he also talks about this prayer word. So we look at this example, right? This is another example of guilt, right? Like you can look at him like, man, I'll never be like that. Like, oh, George Mueller. Yeah, he was, he was one for the books, but I don't know. I mean, we can look at him and see, like, I'll never be that. But let me encourage you that he writes about the time when he struggled in prayer, that even George Mueller struggled in prayer. He says, and he writes about, he had 10 years of suffering in prayer until he had made one slight alteration. Now pause there. 10 years suffering in prayer? <laughs> I mean, some, I mean, we're struggling after five minutes suffering in prayer. <laughs> He's saying 10 years he went through suffering in prayer until he made one alteration. Now, what was that alteration? He explains in one of his biographies, he says, before he would just get up and just pray. And his mind would wander from minutes to an hour. And then Mueller himself wrote, I scarcely ever suffer now in this way. For my heart being nourished by the truth, being brought into exper- experimental, or today we would say experiential, fellowship with God, I speak to my father and to my friend. Vile though I am, unworthy of it, I speak to him about the things which he has brought before me in his precious word. It often now astonishes me that I did not sooner see this point. So, what was the turning point in changing his prayer life? Before he was struggling for 10 years, he said, Now, Instead of just going into prayer, I first nourished my soul in the truth in the Word of God. That that was the turning point for him, and that's biblical. And that's something for all of us: is that he now, instead of going jumping right into prayer, he nourished his soul in the truth of God, and then prayed. So what I'll do, I want to leave time, if possible is, is the, there's, there's a practice of prayer. There's many ways we can pray. Um, the benefits, briefly, um, if you use the Word of God, which we'll do in an example soon, is, is if we want to pray the Scripture, one to pray through Scripture, how does that benefit us, and why is that so practical? Why is it so helpful for us? I think one, some of the benefits I listed here, is it really does inform your prayer. That when you're praying through Scripture, you're praying biblically, it informs your prayers with that substance that's lacking oftentimes. It also allows us to meditate on God's word because now when I'm praying and I'm meditating on what is true, I am meditating on truth. So it's, it's refining me, but also praying through that truth. It also allows me to pray biblically because if, obviously we all want to pray biblically. And if you're praying God's word, you're praying through God's word, we're praying biblically. <laughs> that's, that's a natural outcome. It allows us to focus on God rather than our list of wants. Another benefit is Well, I'll read this quote again from this is another quote from Archie Sproul, which I love. He talks about meditating in prayer. He says, When you struggle with your faith, when you face the dark night of the soul, when you are not sure of where you stand with the things of God, flee to the scriptures. It is from these passages, from these pages, that God the Holy Spirit will speak to you, minister to your soul, and strengthen the faith that he gave you in the first place. Just when you're struggling, run to the truth that once saved you at first. So run to that truth, he says. And prayer is, is a practical means we can do that, practical way you can do that. Now, what I want to do is go to Psalm 23. I just want to give an example. We're going to just pray through. I'm going to take a moment, and we're just going to pray briefly through Scripture. And toward the end, Lord willing, if there's time, I want to give you the opportunity as well to do it. Any questions so far? Hope I'm not speeding through this too fast. M-U-E-L-L-E-R, Mueller. Psalm 23. Psalm 23. So what I'm going to do, I'm just going to read it. And what I'm going to do, I'm just going to, what I think is the best way is um, read it, read a verse, and I'm going to stop and just going to pray and reflect on that verse. And then read the next verse and reflect on it and stop. I'll probably do maybe the first three verses just, for, just to kind of get us, our, our, our toes wet, so to speak. Psalm 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Father, you are our good shepherd. That, God, as we're learning about how to praise and we're learning to grow in prayer, I realize, Lord, that you are our shepherd, that, uh, that, that you guide us and you direct us and you strengthen us. And because you're our shepherd, Lord, that there's no need for us to desire or want for anything else. And yet, Lord, I, I find in my own heart and many other hearts, Lord, I'm sure is that, that we struggle to pursue you with our whole hearts. Lord, help me to realize that you are all I need and that you are fulfill all my desires, all my needs, all everything that I could ever need or ask for. That you are my shepherd. He makes me lie down in greed pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. Lord, what, what a wonderful truth that, that you as our shepherd, that you guide us and you lead us. I'm thinking, Lord, Lord as, as, as you lead us by quiet waters and through streams, I think of our own pastor, Pastor Eric and Angel and the kids who are out hiking even today and and enjoying your great creation. I pray, Lord, that you would keep them safe in your care, that they would know that you are their shepherd, that you would keep your hand upon them, allow them to be refreshed. Let them know that you are the God who gives them energy and gives them refreshing joy. I pray that they would find that. And Lord, I pray for our own soul that we would know that you lead us by quiet waters, that you keep us and you sustain us. Verse 3, he restores my soul. He guides me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Father, how often my soul needs to be refreshed by you. Lord, I pray for every soul in here that we would run to you for our soul to be refreshed. That we know that you are good God. So Lord, I pray you would restore our soul. That daily we would run to you and be refreshed by you. You guide me in the path of righteousness for your name's sake, that you, for your glory, God, not mine, but for your name's sake, you would keep me in your care that today I would relish and bask in your goodness. In Christ's name, amen. So that's an example, like Psalm 23, a passage we all know very well, is we read the scripture, you read the verse, you read God's word, you're nourished by it, and now you reflect on it and and pray about it. There's no right curriculum, like you have to do this, you have to do this. There, there's no, I don't want you to be confined to that. But what I think is important for us to kind of bring away from this is just praying verse by verse allows you just to kind of stop and think about the truth of Scripture there and reflect on it and pray about it. And, and as you mentioned with, with Eric, it came to my mind when I saw the, 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 the waters and, the, and, and I saw pictures of them on Facebook earlier. They're, they're hiking. Like let, let God, keep them safe. Let them be reminded of your goodness. Keep your hand upon them that people will come to your mind while you're praying that, That things that come and pop into your mind, take time to pray about those things. Paul says, pray about everything. There's never something we can't pray about. So, what it does is it helps us to focus our minds, to root it in what is true, and reflect on that truth, and to pray it in that truth. So, in many ways, when we're praying, You can pray through the Psalms as we just did. There's one, that's one example. I think Psalms are a great starting point because they're just filled with just truth about God's character. um, Truth about his goodness. So all kinds of um, just theology proper in there. So it's just a good starting point is it deals with the praises of God and so forth. But um, Psalms is a great starting point. So I just recommend just starting there if you do do that. Um, So if you do pray through Psalms, it's taking one verse, read one verse stop and reflect on it, pray, pray on what comes to mind, and then move on to the next verse. If you read a verse don't know what to pray about, then read the next verse, and then pray that. And if you, if you read the next verse, don't know what to pray, go on to the next verse. There's no requirement. Don't be feel confined in this box. Okay, this is not what my prayer life must look like. I must, none of this, I mean, this is supposed to be a freeing discipline for you is that you don't have to pray on a verse if, you, if there's nothing that comes to mind then just keep moving on but just move through the verse and let your soul be nourished by it and pray on those things to reflect on those things so if you're praying through a psalm it's very easy because it's focusing on god's character so often where you can just stop and think and pray about those issues that are in your heart you can pray about something that applies to your kids or to some um, situation that's on your mind that using that scripture to pray lord i pray in this difficult situation for them that they would know that you are their shepherd um, that they would know. Like, th- th- these these are just practical, daily, enriching things that you can do. If you're praying through a New Testament epistle, um, through a letter like Ephesians or a Philippians or any kind of epistle like that, then what you want to do is you kind of want to look at the passage, maybe your first like, five verses, or just get an idea of the, of the passage you're, you're looking and reading and get the main point of that passage. Um, off the top of my head, Philippians uh, is it 1, Chapter 1, at the end of chapter 1, Paul says that um, conduct—127, right? Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel— Um, So read that whole passage, that point of there. It's like, okay, well, the idea is that I want to be, conduct my life in in a manner worthy of the gospel, that I I realize that persecution can come my way, but this is a gift from God. This is the main point he's getting at. So Lord, I pray that this would be the character of my life, even today, as I'm going into work and I'm facing this difficult conversation with a coworker or with my boss or with uh, my spouse, that Lord, I pray that I would conduct myself in a manner worthy of the gospel in this. I pray that this person would do this. There's just many ways, there's a plethora of ways You can go around uh, go about it. So just get the main point of the passage if you're looking at a New Testament epistle. Get the main passage or the main point of that passage and pray through that. If you're looking at a a narrative book, either in the New Testament or Old Testament, you probably want to read through bigger sections um, and get the kind of the idea of that bigger bigger section and focus on what it says about the character of God. So I guess it's on my mind, like the burning bush, right, in Exodus. The, 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 big, the big idea, what does it say about the character of God? For one, the burning bush, take off your sandals because you're walking on holy ground. God, you're holy. Um, you're a holy God. Um, you think about his covenant promises. They're, they're, they get the idea, what does it say about the God's character, about his acts, about his goodness? What does it say about God? What does it say about me? What are the implications? And how can I think about that and pray through that? So no matter where you're at in Scripture, there's opportunity for you to pray and work through that. And so ultimately what you're doing, and when I say praying the Bible, is you're praying through truth and praying in a way that guides your mind in a way that's helpful and a way that's biblical, if that makes sense. Any questions on that? Okay, practice of prayer. I want to get to maintaining a prayer life. So if this is the general idea... How do we maintain a prayer life? I think the big thing is planning. As ridiculous as that sounds, planning is important. I mean, you think about it, if we don't plan when we're going to have time alone with the Lord, it often won't happen. If you're waiting for the, the, the opportune time in the day, chances are it won't come up unless you plan for it. Um, One of the big things in maintaining a a consistent and a fruitful prayer life is to to set a consistent time. Like when is the best hour of your day? I always say give God the best hour of your day. Give God the best time of your day. If you're more alert at night or you're more alert during the morning, I used to focus, I used to love doing the morning, but now with young kids, it's like the night is the only time I have by myself where you can use that time. What is the best time of your day where you can use that time and use that time For praying and for for scripture. One person said this this way, I think it's up there, that much praying is done, excuse me, much praying is not done because we do not plan to pray. (laughs) Simply speaking, we often don't pray, it's because we don't plan to pray. So not only do you wanna plan, set time, but also pray constantly. And again, remember, praying constantly is not just praying continually, so to speak, but praying constantly means praying at every granted opportunity. It's necessary while you're in the car, while you're walking, while you're at work, if you're meditating, if you're in the shower, if you're in bed, if you're out of bed, if you're doing your personal dev- devotion time. There's never a wrong time to pray. That we can pray all the time. Again, it doesn't mean that praying is done out loud. Like you're saying, you, you have to be talking out loud in order to pray. That's not what you have to do. But praying is a matter of the spiritual issue, it's of the it's a matter of the heart. So you, you can pray in the spirit, you can pray. In in, in your own heart, in your own mind, without anyone hearing it. So obviously, we do want to set time where we actually have set time in prayer, just dedicated prayer to God. But I really want, if that's one of the big things we can take away, is not just having that time of being, I guess, the... The majority of our prayer is just that one time in the morning, that one time at night, but really to pray without ceasing, to praying throughout the day at those opportune times, constantly short prayers, longer prayers, walking, talking, like there's never a wrong time that we want to, as scripture says, to pray without ceasing, praying at all times, praying, making petitions at all times. And I wrote there that remember that God cares about everything in your life. God cares about everything in your life. There's nothing in your life God does not care about. Like nothing. So if that's the case, pray about everything. If there's nothing God does not care about, we need to pray about everything. And meditate on God's word. A couple practical things is a prayer journal. I think it's important to write a... It's helpful to a prayer journal for one, George Mueller. If he didn't have that prayer journal of all these answer requests, I mean, think about how just rich that is for his own personal faith and growth and confidence in who his God is. That having a prayer journal of answer requests, my wife was really good at that. Francie, she she was really good at that when I was going into seminary and through seminary after seminary. She would write down specific things that we were praying about. And we look back it, and we look about, like, for example, all the things that we were concerned about and needed for me to go into seminary and to go into ministry, there are multiple things that were kind of obstacles in our minds at that time that were huge things that we had to wrestle with. And like, I don't know, this is a big step. And she was writing down all the things we were praying through, praying through and praying for. And there was one time we looked back and she opened up her journal and every single thing in that list was covered and prayed for, finances, um, jobs, uh, um, uh, babysitting, like all those things that were so, so, so paramount, so big in our eyes, I don't know how we can do this, that we saw answered by prayer, that God was faithful in all these things, that he was faithful to sustain us and faithful to keep us all, throughout all these things. So prayer, general, I think, is just helpful in just seeing God's faithfulness work in your life. And this is almost like a, what I, one preacher heard say, these are like Ebenezer stones. Right, remember the, the, the story in the Old Testament where they, they had the stones of remembrance and said, no, this is how God was faithful. It's almost like this points back to God's faithfulness. Let me see. This is how God was faithful in this time here. So prayer journal, also prayer cards. How prayer cards are helpful are... Sometimes we feel like, okay, I know I need to be praying, but there's so many things I need to be praying about. There's my kids, um, there, there's work, there's oh, my, my siblings, there's my parents. Oh, there's also job, there's also finances, there's future. Um, what about all oh, these missionaries at church? There's their pastors, I want to pray. Oh, I need to pray for those people, my growth. There's so many things and people I want to pray for, but I just get overwhelmed with all these things. Then it becomes to a petitionary list of prayers. How prayer cards are helpful are that, oh, is that you can have for a card— Put a category on each card. Say you take seven cards so you can cover each day of the week. On one day of the week, on Monday, you're praying for your growth group. So you take time to list specific requests for people in your growth group. Tuesday, you're praying for your family. So you're praying for your mom, your dad, your kids. You're praying for them. Wednesday, you're praying for missionaries because you realize it's important. I want to be invested in our missionaries we're supporting. I want to be invested with them, not only financially, but spiritually. So let me take time to pray for them. Thursday, I'm praying for this, this. So if you have prayer cards you're working through throughout the week, you can focus on one area of your life that needs to be prayed for, and you can systematically pray for it. So you can be praying for all these things that seem overwhelming all throughout our week. So prayer cards is just a practical way if it's helpful for you. If that's how—it's helpful for me. Sometimes my mind is, like, there's so many things, but I can just kind of categorize things. Okay, I want to focus on this, and this, this. That's helpful at times. Also, Echo is a prayer app. If you're an electro, electronic person or tech tech person, download the Echo app. It's free. I think last time I checked, it's still free. I don't know. Hopefully not asking for, like, donations. I don't know. Anyway, um, but it's free. Last time I checked, and you can record your— um, pray requests. And you can also get reminders. So like if you know your friend is going in for surgery on Thursday at 8 a.m., set a reminder so that you get a reminder at 7 a.m. to pray for John. So you'll pray for John at 7 a.m. on Thursday. Um, so that's, that's helpful. in that reads, if you're, like, if you're kind of an app person. Those are just practical ways to help you. They're tools. You don't have to do these things. It's, it's really what is designed to help you to flourish in your prayer life. Um, I think it's just helpful in some ways for a lot of those things. Also, deliberately prioritize. Um, see prayer as an absolute essential. If, if we don't see it as an essential, then it won't happen. This is a from one of my um, professors, I actually remember. He, he wrote this. this, is pray or faint. So we can pray or faint. We can pray or not trust God. Pray or not bear fruit. Pray or not have wisdom from God. Pray or not see God's word aright. right. Pray or not have God's enabling life and ministry. Pray or sin against God. Pray or have not. Those are just very, kind of brings it down. Like, oh, this is important. This is important.